I'm Mike Sheridan and this is The Dell. Hey, what's going on? You're very welcome along to another episode of The Delve with me, Mike Sheridan. My guest today is Adam McKay. Adam is a filmmaker. He was a head writer on Saturday Night Live for more than a few years. We talked about that off the bat. He also directed both Anchorman movies, directed Talladega Nights, directed Voice, directed The Big Short. His new movie is called Don't Look Up and it has... A genuinely insane cast. This is one of the best put together casts you're likely to see uh, for at least a few years. Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, Kate Blanchett, uh, Tyler Perry. It's an amazing cast. It's a very satirical movie. It's a very funny movie. Um, and it's a big swing. We kind of talk about this like very early on as well. It's a really big swing. But I think Adam McKay is one of the most adept filmmakers at taking on this kind of satire and Adam is one of those guys I wanted to speak to for a very long time I've watched him in interviews for years and he always just seems really open and really kind of up for talking about whatever um in terms of his career so Adam produces Succession as well which is obviously a big deal it's in the zeitgeist everywhere at the moment and on a like on a kind of on a more personal taste note I suppose uh Adam produced a show called Q Into the Storm that went out on HBO very early on this year. I saw it while I was in New York recently. The six-part series. I don't even know if you can see it on this side of the world in Europe. But it is excellent. So uh, we both geek out about that for a little while too. So this is an audio-only uh, conversation. So apologies if you're looking at my face now on YouTube. And you're expected to see Adam's face. But I really think it's a conversation uh, worth listening to. Don't Look Up is on Netflix uh, in the coming weeks. So keep an eye out for it. Congratulations on the award. When is when is that going out, or when is that happening? Uh, it's such a shame. We had it all lined up. I mean, that's why I'm here in Dublin. But with the uh, Omicron, we had to cancel it. So they're they're trying to set another date for it. Um, so I'll be back. Be back. You've been over here a bunch before, right? You, was the last time you were over for um, Anchorman Two, or you were over for The Big Short? I was over. I actually wrote "Don't Look Up." Um, we have a lake house out in Cavan. Wow. Yeah. And I was out there for about a month um, and wrote the script and was planning on coming back quite a bit more frequently. And then of course the pandemic hit. And then, yes, I think you're correct. Before that, it was probably the big short Anchorman two. And then we come over here with family quite a bit. So even before I had the lake house, we uh, have rented houses here before, been outside Galway, Connemara. Uh, we have friends here in Dublin. So we're, we're here quite a bit. I'm, I'm kind of wondering what it was about Cavan that, you know, led to a script about the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lovely. it certainly wasn't that, that beautiful lake view. Uh, uh, oh, my God, it's so pretty. Um, but uh, no, no, the idea came. I definitely had the idea in America. Yeah. Uh, which if you've been in America recently, you can see how that idea would <laughs> pop up. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the film. Uh, like it's, 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 it's one of my favorites of the year, genuinely like, and one of the first things I was going to say was it's a big swing 
But then I listened to you do a podcast with the ringer. It was the first thing the interviewer said to you. But it, like, it really does feel like a big swing because there's so much going on and comedy is in such a strange place right now. Did, did it feel like a risk at all, even with the cast that you have here? Definitely. I, I think the biggest risk was to make it a comedy, not to make it a wry satire to actually have big laughs in it was tricky um, just because, you know, some people, you know, are going to like that and some people aren't. It's just the way comedy works. So we at a certain point when we were editing, we said, let's let's do it. Let's let it be a big comedy. Uh, and I, I felt like the movie really lit up at that point. But, you know, comedy is so subjective. You also know you're going to lose certain people who prefer a drier satire um and then the ending obviously i won't give it away but the ending was the biggest risk uh knowing full well you don't you know it's not a traditional ending but oddly that that ended up playing well right from the beginning we do test screenings and audiences were quite into that i don't know what it says about the world we live in right now (laughs) They actually had no problem with the ending. It, it always tested the highest in the movie. Uh, I, I first time it happened, I walked out with my editor and our producer, and it was like, "Wow, they didn't have any problem with that ending." <laughs> how 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 worried do you have to be about being too close to the bone with something so satirical, like with the media stuff or with certain characters that? You know, anybody watching it can kind of draw their own conclusions and, oh, he must mean it's this person. Or we, this must be a version of that person from wherever show. Yeah, I mean, we really tried to make every all the characters uh, a blend of different characters. We did it with the president, the president's, you know, a little bit of W. Bush, a little bit of Bill Clinton, a little bit of Trump, a little bit of Reagan. We did it with the media. You know, the Daily Rip, our fake show, is a little bit of... Good Morning America, uh, Morning Joe, uh, Robin Mead, you know, all those brightly lit morning shows where you just can't imagine them ever really telling you legitimately bad news just because of how it's designed. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think there's anyone directly. I guess the closest any character comes to being a real person is Jonah really wanted to do that five o'clock shadow like one of the Trump boys so I, I guess that kind of indicates a little bit um, in that direction. But otherwise, no, everyone, everyone's kind of representing just forces and institutions. I am. Um, I watched the premiere video of you introducing the cast. I think it was in New York. And it's like it, it actually I think you start laughing at some point just with the names that you're saying <laughs> as you're greeting people that are coming down. Like it's an incredible cast. Were you like, you know, were you, you must have been like delighted with obviously Leo's kind of Leo coming on board. Uh, I know you had a few conversations with him before he before he like actually fully agreed to do the movie. So like, did you get everybody you wanted? Yeah, we, we at a certain point, you know, we had a bunch of great actors who had signed up for the movie. And we we realized we were trying to reflect the spectacle of what it's like to be alive now. And there's so many bright colors and distractions. And we had all these other wonderful actors that were interested. And so at a certain point, we said, you know what, let's do it. Let's let them all into the movie. It kind of will make the movie feel a little bit like real life uh, in that we're constantly looking at celebrities, pictures and clicks. And um, 
And then it didn't hurt that they're all wonderful actors. I mean, you're, you're, you're dealing with people like Timothy Chalamet and Himish Patel and Kate Blanchett, Tyler Perry. You can't, you, you have no complaints at that point, but, uh, yeah, we, we let it fly on this one. We definitely did. We let everyone in through the door and just tried to make, um, just try to capture that feeling of, of what it's like to be alive right now in this crazy world. And and hopefully audiences can share a laugh going, yeah, this is what it feels like. This is what it feels like. And and part of that will be, you know, there'll be some dark feelings as well, but but hopefully just some good hard laughs at what a what a shook snow globe our uh, our reality is right now. It's um it's crazy because you you, you mentioned laughter and obviously you were a head writer on SNL for 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 many a year. Um, you know, it's it, like you, I know. So I was looking at you on set, Myers, saying you were coordinator of Falconry. You wanted to, you were gonna, you wanted to leave at some point, and you spoke to uh, Lauren Michaels, and Lauren Michaels was like, "Look, you, you, oh, sorry, it was your agent, was it? Your agent said to you, uh, like, you know, ask for something ridiculous, and you asked for it was a coordinator of Falconry." Yeah, I was gonna leave. I was head writer, and uh, my manager said, "Well, if you're gonna leave, make a ridiculous request." <laughs> So I asked for a raise. I asked to get to make short films and I asked to name my own credit. And he said, yes. And then I said, okay, I want my credit to be coordinator of falconry. And then he, he was like, what the hell? <laughs> so I was, I was coordinator of falconry for two years on uh, SNL. I mean, when you look at where your career is now and you make like the, the kind of spread of movies that you've made and not to mention the stuff that you've produced, at any point when you were maybe early on in your career doing the comedy stuff or doing SNL, did you foresee this? Was this, you know, was this career that you have now, was it was a part of your wildest dreams? Was it even in there? No, I, I don't think I ever. I mean, the, the joke I always tell is, and it's not a joke, it actually happened, was, you know, the morning after the Academy Awards when we were lucky enough to win uh, for Best Adapted Screenplay, I woke up with my wife. And I just said, well, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> so, you know, no, the, the particulars of how it's happened have been surprising. But, you know, you could feel it at a certain point in the late 80s, 90s, that there was this swelling, you know, media, film, television machine that was really getting gigantic. Um, so, you know, I, I, the typical thing with my parents where I said I wanted to do this for a living and they thought I was crazy. And then by the 1990s, I think even they could see like, oh, uh, there actually is a lot of work in these fields. Um, but then when it, it took the jump it took in the last 10 years with the streaming and the, you know, double, triple the amount of movies and uh, videos. And it's, I, I, I never imagined it moving this fast uh as far as the uh podcasts i mean we produce podcasts as well i love podcasts you know the amount of different ways you can make material now is just jaw-dropping i kind of started with movies i think in the 90s with soderbergh and how he was able to do those movies so and even now he's shooting stuff on on iphone still but like it was it's become so accessible hasn't it the digital age and then as you mentioned the streaming crazy uh you know i had a friend of mine who wanted to make a movie and he was trying to figure it out i said well just go shoot it on your phone and yeah i tell people that a lot and this guy actually did and <laughs> and the movie's gonna be at a big festival in mexico and and it looks beautiful and so it, it is a time like no other access to 
the tools. I mean, God, I, in the 80s, I, I, if you could get your hands on a camera, it was crazy. It was like a, a, a like some holy relic, um, whereas now they're just everywhere. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that that's the part I never anticipated. I always knew I'd do something with this, whether it was writing or directing or performing or something with this. But the explosion of media, it's just, I don't, I don't, I don't know if anyone saw it coming. Is, is that easier or harder for you then as a producer to pick stuff or to pick somebody to develop things with? Because, I mean, obviously you've got Succession. There's another series coming out on HBO uh, next year. But one of my favorite series of this year, and I saw it in New York recently, was Q Into the Storm, which is an incredible six-part documentary that's kind of flown a bit under the radar. Um, so how do you choose? First of all, is it easier with the kind of influx of of content that's there and creators that are there and directors and writers? And how do you choose what to produce? Well, I couldn't agree with you more on cue into the storm. Uh, Cullen Hoback, who created that show, came to us with the footage and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, he, he went deep inside the belly of Q way before anyone was even talking about it. And the last episode of that series, one of the most incredible episodes I've ever seen, where he unmasked Q on camera. And How is this I, not I, everywhere? How is this not like, I watched I, that and my jaw dropping. It was, it's I, incredible. I had the exact same response. And the funny thing was, too, it I think it just got one Emmy nomination for editing. It got kind of mixed reviews. And I was like, this is crazy. This is like one of the journalistic feats of the entire year. And um, I don't know. It was very strange that the reaction, it did uh, get quite popular when it was airing. It was trending on Twitter. People did pick up on it. It got very good ratings. So that part of it played, but I, I still feel like the end of the year best of list. I didn't see it on any of those. Um, and I can say that because I didn't, I'm a producer on the show, but Colin Oback made it. I, I'm so glad you brought that up. It's one of the most incredible projects we've ever worked on. Like Cullen spent three years filming it. So for to put that much time and like emotional effort too into making something like that, um, you know, it's, it's. I mean, I'd say I'd say he's probably just delighted just to get it out there and you know to kind of have the ending that I had because you literally couldn't make that stuff up. <laughs> I mean, I, I just he, he he sent over like a secret iPad to my house and there was like a person out in a car. I had to like watch the footage and then hand it back. And uh, yeah, it's one. Of, it, it, it's if anyone hasn't seen it, it's it's really a jaw dropping project. And he takes you into places no one else has ever been. And then the, the last episode is one of the great episodes of television I've ever seen. And like speaking of producing, we can't not talk about succession to some degree. Like obviously you directed the pilot as well. Like, did you foresee any of this? Like this, like the team tune, I think is in everybody's head for the last week since the last episode. It's become this <laughs> cultural phenomenon. Like it's like it's a phenomenal series and people are obsessed with it. Did you foresee this? Did you, I mean, obviously there's talent there with Jesse Armstrong and the cast. I mean, I knew it was, when I read the script and said I wanted to direct it, I knew it was really good. And when we shot it, and then I saw the first couple episodes roll in, I I remember saying to some of our other producers, I think this is really good. Did I know it would become a sensation? No, you can never predict that. But I knew it was really good. And I knew it was one of my favorite things I'd been involved in. And when we put that cast together, 
uh, with Francine Maisler and with Jesse, the three of us really put it together. And you could really tell, oh, wow, this is like that, uh, one of the best casts I've ever seen. And even Francine, who's cast every great movie and TV show you can think of, even she was like really quite happy with the way that one went down. So, um, no, I love it. it, it it's uh, one of my favorite projects as well. And uh, and and now I'm at a point where I get to just enjoy it because the the writing staff and the directors and Jesse have just set sail. So I'll throw an idea or two in. But for the most part, I get to just sit back and and watch it. And when you're directing a pilot, when you're directing something like that, that like could conceivably go to series. I mean, how different do you approach it as opposed to a movie? Because um, I know you use a lot of improv. I know you kind of you know, shout stuff at the cast. Or the cast will try different things out. Is it different when you're shooting a pilot because it's something that could be serialized going forward? Yeah, I really enjoy it. it. It's, you know, you're doing about four or five things. You're setting that look for the show. You're obviously casting it. You're hoping to set the work pattern too, because once again, with it, when it's a movie, you can sort of slash and burn a little bit more. Just, you know, film it and go, film it and go. But everything you're doing with a pilot has to be replicated um, the show, the show we just made, the Lakers show, it's called Winning Time, is one of the more unusual shows we've ever done. We mix uh, multiple formats in, uh, three, four different cameras shooting. It's very unusual looking, I think, beautiful looking show. Also, you're doing basketball. You have to have people looking tall, so you're using lifts, perspective. And that was the one where I finished the pilot. And I kind of laughed and I was like, I feel bad for the directors that are, that are coming <laughs> after me. Um, that's a very difficult show to shoot. And uh, but, you know, it's it's a testament to how talented those directors were. They pulled it off and uh, and they found the rhythm and they found the way to do it. It's uh, I'm really excited for that to come out. That comes out in March. The, the, the trailer for that is fantastic. And, and before I let you go, Adam. Are you hopeful? Do you feel hopeful about? I mean, obviously the, the movies. You know, we won't we won't go into the end or anything like that. But it's not a Hollywood ending per se. But are you hopeful as a person for the future? Yes, I am. I mean, I always say we wouldn't have made the movie if we weren't hopeful, uh, because obviously it's you know uh, it's it's a big laugh, but it's also a cautionary uh, tale. Um, and if we really didn't have hope, I would have just gone and made Step Brothers too and had a. <laughs> had a blast and, and drank <laughs> wine and laughed. Um, but, you know, we do have the science. We do. We have renewables. We have carbon removal. We have carbon capture. We just have to, we're just missing that essential part, which is the awareness and the will to action. For some reason, we can't seem to get those two parts going. Um, but it's going to happen at a certain point. I just hope it's sooner rather than later. But yeah, no, I am hopeful. Science, you know, I mean, how fast they developed that vaccine. Science is incredible. It's a, it's a straight up superpower. So um, I just, man, I wish they would just get on the stick right now. I, I just don't know what we're waiting for. Well, Adam, look, thanks so much for the time. Um, hopefully you get to see it in person at some stage in Dublin or even in Cavan in the future. I love it. My <laughs> pleasure talking with you. Take care, Adam. Bye-bye.